Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. What's up? What's happening? I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. Logan, we got a good one today. Uh, Ross Tucker is going to join us in just a little bit. The uh, national analyst for Westwood One and a couple of other outlets uh, will join us. Also, former Washington football player, Washington alumnus. Uh, we'll see if we can get some good, uh, some good stories out of him. He's here during the Spurrier era, so there's no telling. Great story. Yeah, uh, there's no telling uh, what Ross has in the bag. But uh, we actually want to start today recapping the play callers, the series that Jordan Rodriguez did that we talked to, to her about last week. But um, as much as we did in that conversation with Jordan. Uh, there's so much more left from it. Um, I obviously covered Sean McVay for multiple years, his final years here in Washington. Logan played for Sean and Kyle and Mike and, and Matt when they were all here for 2012 and obviously played for Kyle again in other places. So uh, there's just so much to talk about, Logan, because I think in so many ways that series gets to the essence of coaching, but then there's obviously specific elements about those four men and specifically Kyle and Sean as coaches that shows you both what separates them and what makes them great, but also the flaws that at times have held them back. Yeah. And I also think we can talk a little bit about that 2012 season. You know, I think that was something that people like in the comments on the video wanted to hear more about and just kind of like my recollection of it. So I guess we could start with that. Yeah, let's start you know? there if you're, if you're willing to, I mean, I thought that was very beautifully put by Jordan when we talked to her about how it's like on a, within the context of football, there's, there's a, a an element of tragedy there and you yeah. have to hear in your voice talking about it. But if you're, if you're willing to go there, let's yeah, go. It's, it's not like, I'm not going to go crazy. It's more schematic. I'm not going to talk about the personal stuff quite as much, but schematically, you know, and I think um, I think that offense really shows you kind of the like it was like a like a spark point, you know, and what I mean by that is like we were doing stuff at the time that no one had ever done. And we had taken this kind of West Coast principle of creating horizontal space and putting defenses in conflict to like the next level. And like that's all Sean and, and, and Kyle and Mike and all these different guys, right, working together and being competitive like um, like Jordan pointed out. And so one of the things I wanted to just kind of call attention to is like the the simplicity like how they were totally able to regu like regulate defenses you know they were able to kind of almost ensure with robert's running ability that they were going to cover three every single time and cover three is a defense that you know it's interesting kind of like to see this come full circle like later in the series she talked about vic fangio like mm -hmm. with this match concept and that and and basically cover three match or zone match comes about because of the holes in 
in cover three, you know what I mean? Like that we were able to exploit as a team in 2012. And so basically like one of the things about that season that I remember very vividly is like, I thought, I mean, like, man, like defenses in the NFL aren't that complicated because like they were just so simplified. Right. And then I think, you know, it's, this, it's like this constant cat and mouse, like either you're evolving or you're dying. And I think like in that off season from 2012 to 2013, like we just couldn't evolve that system quickly enough or they couldn't evolve it. And that's not an indictment of them because there were some other like mitigating factors, um, you know, Robert's desire to be a pocket passer, all those different things, which I think are fairly well documented and fairly well discussed. But, um, you know, like defenses were like, well, this is how we're going to stop it. And then we didn't have like an answer, you know, and I think when Jordan was talking about, um, you know, kind of the evolution of Kyle and making sure you have answers. Like I remember having conversations with him, vivid conversations where, you know, Robert would get up and say he wanted to put in a play and he'd get up in front of the team and start talking through it. And Kyle would just kind of like, you know, he would do this in front of everybody. He'd be like, Hey, you know what, what happens if it's cover four? And Robert would be like, Oh, you do this. And it's like, what happens if you get, you know, Sam strong safety? And Robert was like, well, we got to slide the protection. He was like, how are you going to see it? And it was like this really interesting process for him. And I just felt like because of some of the restrictions placed on Kyle by Robert, that evolution couldn't continue with that offense, which is kind of a, a sad thing. And so thinking back on that and then seeing where Kyle's offense is at now and how I don't want to say there's an answer all the time, but just how intricate his game plans are. Right. Same thing with Sean. They're so intricate. They're so layered. And um, I, f- I feel like it all goes back to that 2012 season and kind of that fall on your face element going into 2013, which there's a multitude of reasons for that. But again, it's it's something that I don't want to talk too much about. Well, let me ask you this from a purely like I'm asking from a football perspective. There's obviously the personal side of like it's been reported like Robert didn't want to run anymore. And there's like yeah. all the back and forth between Kyle, Robert, Dan, whatever, yeah. but, like from a football standpoint. If Robert had been, and there's an injury also. To yeah, yeah, that, which like, is uh, so super important to account for also. Right. So, but let's let's pretend Roger Robert finishes, you guys just lose to Seattle, not Robert gets hurt, right? Yeah. So he comes back, he's healthy. 2013, the scheme is what it was, but you have a healthy Robert Griffin going into 2013 yeah. who's willing to run yeah. for whatever, you know, whatever reasons he wasn't willing to or couldn't or whatever, like put those aside. But he's like, He's the same guy he was as a rookie when he's cooking. Yeah. What does that team look like? I So I think you still run into some of the same hurdles. But what I do think you do see is I think you see some more innovation. And I think about, you know, my time in Houston in 2019 when they had Deshaun Watson. And they were running that, you know, we'd watch Washington film when I was in Houston, you know, about how they ran the zone read. And the thing that they did is kind of what um, what Philly does now. It's an It's a zone read with a – RPO. So I mm-hmm. think in the story, like one of the things we talked about, and again, if Robert's healthy, this isn't quite as big of an issue, right? Because I think he's more willing to do some of this stuff. So like we used to do this thing where you, um, where I, the tight end would line up to the left off the ball and Robert's reading the defensive end to the right with him and Alfred, right? If the defensive end pinches, then Robert pulls it. And so teams started, you know, doing a scrape. So they pinch the defensive end and scrape the linebacker over the top. I, as the Grizz blocker, would run and block that scrape player, you know? And so basically we had a so half. You would come a, across the formation. And block that guy. Correct. hundred yeah. percent. And so basically because of Robert's kind of demand of saying, I don't want to run the ball the same way, you know, in these ways, he had a very specific vision of how he wanted to be used um, from what I understand. Um, 
I would try to get to his, the, the linebacker's outside number and the linebacker would just run to the sideline. So old Robert or Robert from 2012 would just put his foot in the ground and cut up for a gain of 15 yards, right? Because the offensive line could block that backside backer. Now, I think Kyle, if he had been with Robert Moore, would say, well, shoot, if that's how they're going to play it, we can line up in, Z, in, in 11 personnel in a two-by-two two with the tight end to the left. We get to that overload going to the right and then just have the slot receiver who Santana Moss run like a drift or a slant to replace that scraping linebacker. And then off this RPO, we can find that hole. So I kind of felt like that was going to be that was going to be the next iteration of this offense. That was the next logical step, which is one of the reasons why Philly is so efficient right now is because they have the zone read. They have the Grizz blocker, but they've kind of said we can get one step further and put the defense defense in conflict one more time. And with this, with this pass element that they have off of it. So that's kind of where I think the offense would have gone. I don't think it would, it could have happened more gradually. I think because Robert would have been more willing to run. I think the offense would have been much more effective for longer. It wouldn't have been as effective as it was in 2012, but I think that's something that I always think back on, you know, like there's this kind of confluence of like Robert being hurt. Right. And he wasn't, quite as fast as he was before. He wasn't quite as willing as he was before. That led to a decrease in offensive efficiency. And that decrease in offensive efficiency, coupled with kind of some other relationships, made it super hard to innovate. You know, made it kind of stagnated that process, which Jordan talked about so much, at least in my perspective. And I don't have all the details, but just from like a thousand foot view. So that's kind of what I would say. I think that that, that team could have been in a much better spot, obviously, if Robert's health, healthy. Robert had been slightly more willing and I'm not, and that's not an indictment of Robert. I don't want people to think that I'm mad at Robert for that. Like I get it. He thought he was doing what was best for him in his career at the time. Um, and he was young, he's a young, young player. So like, you know, that's a hard thing to kind of negotiate, but um, I think it just kind of stymied that innovative process and it led to an offense that was very, very stagnant, you know, and this is a story. This is a quick anecdotal story. So we, we were playing the Kansas city chiefs. We were getting absolutely murdered. It was in that snow game in 13. Yep. Um, I think they had like a couple of returns for almost touchdowns and it was just like they did. There's one where it's actually one of my favorite Trent Williams stories. Robert threw one and Robert and Trent ran the guy down on the sideline together at the same speed. Yes. And Robert is an Olympic like Level Olympic hurdler, yeah. hurdler at the hundred meters. So he's faster than hell. And Trent is running stride for stride with him in the snow because he's Trent Williams and he's from outer space. Yes. Hundred percent. But in that, I think I might have told this story before. But in that game, we ran this concept in two minute called Lion. So Lion is basically just two slants in Kyle's offense. It's probably called something different now, right? Um, and they were running some type of quarters. So quarters coverage, right? Think about it in your Madden vision. Like you, you divide the, you got a piece of pie. You divide it into four pieces. And yeah. one of the reasons um, Lion is effective is because you got this hook player who has to push through to the far slant or take the inside slant. So basically, Lion is double slants. And so we were in a two-minute drive, and Kyle called Lion, I want to say, three to five times consecutively in a row. And Robert's in the huddle, like kind of pissy, upset, you know, like all grumpy or whatever. And, you know, all the guys are kind of like, what's going on? Da, 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 da. And then, like, I kind of was like, you know, Kyle, like, guys were upset about that. And Kyle's like, Logan, let me show you something real quick. So we went into his office, or it might have been in the team room. I don't remember exactly where it was. And he puts on the tape. He says, Logan, look at like what like what coverage is Lion good for? I'm like, it's good versus quarters. He's like, watch this throw. So basically the first slant Robert throw is like five feet over the receiver's head. We call it again. It's in the dirt. So now it's third and 10. 
and finally hits the slant and it's a 15 yard gain. So I was like, they did not change their coverage. So this was there the whole time. Like Robert just needed to hit it. And like, this was kind of like where I first noticed the friction between the two of them. Like, because it was like Robert wanted to be a pocket passer. And Kyle, I think, knew, because he's smart, that Robert wasn't quite ready for it yet. And that was the first time I was like, oh, like there's a, there's something going on here. And, and, and that, that was something that characterized the season. You got somebody who wanted to go this way. Someone knew who they weren't ready to go that way. And it was like this constant battle um, between those two personalities that was, um, that I, that I only kind of tangentially saw, but I'm sure like talking to a couple other people that behind closed doors, that was a little bit more um, problematic, I guess. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. I don't know if you want to answer this question, but I'm going to ask it. And if you're like, "Eh, I don't know, then you can say, (laughs) I don't know. But do you think a different coach could have finessed that better? Or even like, let's say Kyle now, an older, more mature, more experienced Kyle, who probably has some of that experience because he dealt with, he dealt with, uh, dealt what he dealt with, with Robert. But you have a young, trying to prove himself still hard headed Kyle Shanahan and a young, overly empowered thanks to his stardom and the ownership situation and everything, Robert Griffin, the third. And I do wonder if, and obviously like, look, let's not let Mike off the hook here either. Like Mike obviously had a role to play there and um, didn't go exactly great. Um, We know that based off history, but like, do you think that different personalities could have dealt with that differently and, and smooth that over and convince Robert to do that? Or was Robert just kind of in a, this is what I think I'm doing this to protect myself because I got hurt last year doing it the other way. And there was, there was no convincing him. That is a, that's the million dollar question, man. Like that is a, that's an excellent question. And I think that's a better, that's a question that's better served for Robert and Kyle and Mike, um, you know, cause I don't want to speak for them, but sure. I would say, I would say having played for Kyle when I was in San Francisco, he has matured a lot, but you know, like we had Matt Ryan on here and Matt Ryan said, one of the things that was a friction point for them was that Kyle was so singular in terms of vision for the game plan and for the offense. And that's one of the things that makes Kyle excellent. You know, I also think, you know, Kyle alluded to this in, in the podcast in Jordan's podcast that, um, you know, ownership was not supporting the head coach there. Right. And he was, they had supported, you know, purportedly Robert or whatever. And I think that also led to some friction there too, right? So I don't know if it would ever, even if Kyle today could handle it. Because I also think about Jay, I think about Sean and their relationship with Robert. And Sean is one of the most effective coaches at speaking and communicating to players. And Jay is a player's coach 1000%. So he's trying to get things done. He's trying to make things happen for the player. And if that staff, you know, granted Sean was pretty young then still too. Sean was, that, I don't know. Like Jay is a player's coach, but I don't think Jay was always the most flexible. I, but that's the I, thing. That's, that's, that, that's a great, I'm glad you used that word flexible. It's because really smart football people are not overly flexible, especially when someone's telling them what to do. 
And that's the vibe that I got when Jay was here. It was like Jay's here to fix Robert or, you know, make Robert go. Well, right? yeah, that was definitely the the assignment. Right. And then it became obvious that Kirk was gave you a better chance of winning, you know? And I think that is something that is really hard to negotiate. When you are the head coach, it's your team. You want to make decisions. And that's what you've been brought in here for is for your football expertise. And somebody is making that very, very challenging to do. Um, you know, and so I think yeah. that to me, that, that is more, you know, like just in talking with Jay about other stuff, like just the frustration they had, the frustration Kyle had, like, I don't know, man, I don't know. And it's not because of Robert necessarily. It's because of, I think more, if I was going to have to kind of assign blame, it's more because of how the empowerment structure went right. there. It basically right. allowed him to kind of be like, I'm 22. I think this and we're going to do it this way. And everybody in the building has, you know, way more football experience than you, if that, if that makes sense. And again, that's a yeah. really good question for those guys specifically, but that's just me kind of, you know, observe, like kind of based on information that I know, observing that situation. It's something that I would like to ask Robert, frankly, too, of yeah. like, Hey no, man, you're 30, see. 30, whatever you are now. Like if you could go back and I'm sure Robert would do some things differently, but like, is that one of them, you know, yeah. would you have just, listened more. Um, but it's, it's hard. It was complicated. There's a lot of people that did a lot of stuff wrong. Um, but so back to kind of the schematic arc though, Sure. you mentioned Kirk, um, where did this desire to build an offense around Robert and like utilize his skills and leverage, which is smart, right? Like you build this thing that, that works so well, but where does that leave you when he does get hurt and you now have Kirk Cousins in there, a very different type of player? Like, how did the scheme translate? And ultimately, yeah. like, how does that lead to the evolution of where Sean takes it first in Washington, then with Jared Goff, and then ultimately to the Super Bowl and, and a championship with Matthew Stafford? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I remember being talking to Grant Paulson um, in the locker room in 2012 and him being like, hey, can Kirk get it done? And, you know, at the time I was like, you know, we're, we're, we're really hoping that Robert's healthy and ready to go. And I think the whole team felt that way because we didn't know really how special Kirk could be. And I say special because, you know, Kirk, you know, was not a high draft pick. I think he's a third round pick and, you know, developed and learned and grew and understood the offense. And so like in terms of schematically what's going on, I think um, the, the bones of the offense remain largely unchanged, you know, like obviously like the play actions shifted to kind of what Robert was good at and the runs he was good at. But like, we still had outside zone play action. We still had inside zone play action. We still had keepers and quick game and, you know, all the formational nuance that Kyle wanted. Um, but in terms of when Robert was in, it was like this bunch of plays and kind of was a little bit different stylistically, a little bit more chunk play oriented, a little less kind of multi reads. It was like, let's get, let's use that big arm, that javelin arm and get that ball where it needs to go fast and let our playmakers make plays Right. And Kirk, you know, is a little bit more refined at that point in their careers as like a pocket passer. And, you know, there's a reason Robert won, in my opinion, won rookie of the year. It's because he's a dynamic playmaker. But Kirk had it. It's like kind of what we talk about when we talk about quarterback evaluation for the draft all the time, Greg. You know, like obviously there's the height, weight, speed measurement of a guy like um, Richardson, you know, from Florida. But there's also the intellectual processing and the learning and the study and the ability to grind film and grind the playbook, you know, that like a Bryce Young has that other people in the, in the class don't have as, as evidenced by his S2 cognition score. And I felt like you had two players that were kind of very different in terms of skill set on the roster at the same time. And they both could do the, could execute the offense 
their version of the offense in their way at a high level. Um, so I, I think, I think, you know, when Robert got hurt in Seattle, I think that was tough because we had game planned with Robert playing in mind, you know, so Kirk kind of came in and the playbook's a little bit different because Kirk's in there now, you know what I mean? Um, and Kirk did a great job, you know, in my estimation, but I think that was always kind of a challenge. You were running. It's also, I mean, that's Legion of Boom, Seattle. Like that's, and they were so good, man. I went back and watched a little bit of film of them the other day, like just how good Earl Thomas was. Like, like people, people tried to run that cover three defense for a long time. And I think that's going to be really interesting when we talk about Vic Fangio, you know, later and how everyone tried to take that Seattle three and everywhere they went, but they couldn't do it because they didn't have Earl Thomas and Earl Thomas's ability to cover like literally 48 yards of grass, like horizontally in the middle of the field and basically man, man up those outside guys in that cover three vertical structure, like is incredible. You know, like, like watching him, I just was like, man, he was so good at this. And that's why the defense works so well. In my, in my, in my, in my opinion, again, I'm sure you talk to different people and like, it's multifactorial. Defensive line was really yeah, good. I mean, all defensive stuff. line was good. Their corners were good. Bobby Wagner's playing middle linebacker. Yes. He's going to the Hall of Fame. But like Earl Thomas was the piece that, and like Cam Chancellor coming down, like yes. you didn't want to throw the ball over the middle because he was going to murder your receivers. But you like just, you could not get the chunk plays that you need to score because Earl Thomas didn't let you. And and think about that. You have probably three Hall of Famers in the back end. I mean, Richard Sherman, right? Would you, I don't know, maybe like Sherman, Sherman, like, yes. like a Pro Bowl caliber player. Cam, yeah, he I think, is a multi time All Pro. You think Cam's a Hall of Famer? I think so. I mean, so let me just say this I think he's an archetype for that position. Maybe that's a yeah. better way to put it. He is like the standard. When you're trying to build a Seattle three, who's the guy that can be that like safety linebacker, edge setting hybrid player? And Cam is like, look it up in the dictionary and there's Cam. Who's the post player? Oh, it's Earl Thomas. Who's the corner? It's Richard Sherman. You know, like these long, fast, really smart intellectual corners, right? And so, like, to me, you had three guys who are the prototype for the position playing in the defense at the same time. And it's so rare to get that, I, I think, you know? And so I think that's one of the reasons that defense was so effective. But, again, that's that that leads to the innovation that Jordan was talking about um, later by guys like Vic Fangio. 